0: and load. This is Steve Dace, The
1: Steve Dace Show.
2: And greetings. Happy Monday. Back after a long three-day weekend. Thanks for tuning in here. Live and on demand on The Blaze, I am Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888 900 93 93 steve at stevedace.com is how you can email our show that's d-e-a-c-e on the last name for those of you getting the audio only today you can also like us on facebook who doesn't like us so you need to like us there an awful lot and then maybe one of your likes will actually show up you can follow us on twitter at least for now at stevedace show Uh, a lot coming up uh, on the program today our good friend bob vanderplats is going to join us at the bottom of the hour we're going to continue. Our book study that we launched a few weeks ago, looking back, it's been a quarter of a century now at the book that essentially, if you're Aaron's age, really, if you're Todd and I's age, I mean, this, this book really defines much of what we call conservatism and conservative media in our time. Uh, it, it, is sort of is the this generation's version of God, Man, and Yale by Bill Buckley. That's Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be. We'll continue going through that and going back to the future, if you will, uh, for a fascinating conversation, we hope, coming up in the next hour of the show. We got a lot of reaction to the talk we had uh, about last week's chapter. And the cool thing about doing this is it's kind of giving us a chance to see history through the benefit of hindsight. At, at the present that we are living through right now take for granted take for example uh, the story that broke this morning from Project Veritas and um, they've got I guess you'd call her for lack of a better description the Ombudsman is that
1: is that a fair
2: accurate it, description
1: the, yes the, the the term responsible is in her job title
2: yeah I guess she would you know if, if this was traditional media of the world Todd and I come out of that she'd be considered the ombudsman of Google which is the most powerful corporation on the planet right now. And, and, and she's literally on video saying they are attempting to use that power to create the outcome in the 2020 election that they want. And she's not even regretful about it, not bashful about it. Now, now keep in mind, this is a company in Google that is also working with our number one chief economic competitor, China. In creating a social credit system that's right out of Black Mirror, maybe the best Black Mirror episode until this season when, again, we learned leftists ruin absolutely everything they touch. But we'll have more on that maybe tomorrow. Okay. And so if you are concerned about more and more direct activism from corporate America. You want to pick up this new report from our friends at Swiss America. You tune into this show each day for truth bombs. This one's a truth bomb. And before you think it's far-fetched, I mean, go watch the video. Uh, you, you catch her on camera this morning uh, saying, courtesy of Project Veritas, yes, we are literally trying to stop Donald Trump from winning re-election in 2020. That we are using the full power of Google in order to alter the outcome of the next election. She's on camera saying it. So when you hear people that study geopolitical trends, socioeconomic trends like Swiss America, and they're warning you about these sorts of unholy alliances, you know, we're not big into, you know, vapid, vapid, whatever the word is, pronunciation this week, conspiracy theories on this show. In fact, we often pan them. Uh, We're also, though, not into sticking our heads in the sand and ignoring when two plus two equals four, however, at the exact same time. All right, it's not paranoia. If they're really coming after you, particularly when you catch them on video, if you want to get this new report from Swiss America called the secret war, I uh, just give them a call at 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646 or just visit their website, Swissamerica.com. Again, that's Swissamerica.com. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away.
1: What happened while we were away, brought to you by Weakness. We'll start with President Trump saying last week that Immigration and Customs Enforcement would begin the process of deporting millions of illegal aliens. No, it's
0: just Chuck Testa.
1: At the request of Democrats, I have delayed the illegal immigration removal process, deportation, for two weeks to see if the Democrats and Republicans to get together and work out a solution to the asylum and loophole problems at the southern border. If not, deportations start... Then there was Iran shooting down an American drone near the Strait of Hormuz last week. American forces prepped a retaliatory strike, but... nope. Chuck Testa. Trump called off the attack.
0: I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, mm-hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people... That would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was proportionate.
1: But enough about Trump. Let's talk about Trump, who was on Twitter this morning wondering aloud why the U.S. should have any role in keeping the Strait of Hormuz safe at all. Yeah, I'm sure handing over shipping lanes to our adversaries is going to be a great, a great strategy. Moving on for real this time, a British judge has authorized the forced abortion of a baby on a pregnant Catholic woman. The judge said because of the woman's developmental disabilities and mood disorder, Having an abortion is in her best interests. This news came despite the objections of the woman's mother and the woman herself. The woman is 22 weeks pregnant. The Minneapolis Star-Tribune, the largest paper in the state of Minnesota, after years of poo-pooing or ignoring the following story, threw gas on the narrative this weekend that Minnesota Congresswoman Elon Omar married her brother in order to skirt U.S. immigration laws when she came to the country. The paper details a timeline of her marriages and divorces, and at the very least provides some prima facie evidence for the allegation. Pete Buttigieg has learned in recent days the hard lesson that roses are red, violets are blue, and the intersectionality mob is coming for you. Can you
0: say to us today, in front of all
1: these cameras, that Black Lives Matter? Did you just ask me if Black Lives Matter? Yes, we can hear you say it!
2: Of course, Black Lives the, fire, the,
1: fire, the, fire. the crowd shouting at him is very angry because of the way they say he's handled police discipline while mayor of South Bend, Indiana. A woman named E. Jean Carroll is the author of a book that was published just this year. Last week, she claimed that President Trump sexually assaulted her in the mid-90s. So naturally...
0: You have said that the dress, the coat dress that you were wearing, and we have a picture of it because you're on the front page of New York Magazine, this is the, exactly the outfit that you were wearing the day that you say the attack happened could there be any dna i have no idea i do not know if the president ejaculated
1: i mean every day is like a bad acid trip a recent government meeting in the kenai peninsula in alaska was opened with a satanic prayer several city officials walked out And finally, another example of why baseball is awesome. Albert Pujols finally made his return to the city where he started his Hall of Fame career, St. Louis. This time, though, as a member of the Los Angeles Angels. Watch the crowd after he hits his home run.
0: And
2: the 2-1 pitch to Albert Pujols. Albert hits it a ton. He's just given us another.
1: And that's what happened Well, we were away.
2: So we're going to discuss those allegations uh, by this woman against the president today uh, in the overtime. All right. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber uh, and, and essentially how we should cover these kinds of stories, because there, there's going to be more of them the closer we get to 2020. All right. So... Um, If you think any lessons were learned about what happened last fall with Brett Kavanaugh, um, I've I've got some land in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where Senator Grassley once wanted to use a subsidy to build an indoor rainforest to sell you. Okay, so um, we're going to discuss that coming up uh, in the overtime today. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber... Cool. You just hang around. We tape it for you after the show and it shows up on the website later this afternoon. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you want to catch that and all of the other uh, exclusive content we uh, we offer for subscribers here at Blaze TV, because by the time Google gets done with folks like us, this is going to be the only way you're ever going to be able to access stuff like this in the not-too-distant future, I'm afraid. All right. So uh, blazetv.com slash dace blazetvcom slash dace and if you go there uh, you'll get a special discount using my name as a promo code for all of our blaze tv content as well aaron's montage today brought to you by our friends at genesis 950 if you're thinking of making a major investment of new carpeting and it's primarily because of those dreaded pet stains before you lay down a nice chunk of cash Give Genesis 950 for a much more modest price a try first. Uh, Genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they are gone for good. Its antibacterial components work their way down into the padding, which is really where the nasty stuff is at. That's why your carpet can look fine on the outside and you're like, why are these smells still here? It's the padding. All right, Genesis 950 works to make its way down there. It can also be used in carpet cleaning machines and it's green safe, so it's safe for your pets and your kids as well. So before you make the major investment on new carpeting, you must give Genesis 950 a try. Just go to the website and you can use this to clean your entire house, by the way. Even the grease stains, oil stains on the floor in the garage, the nice stuff in the kitchen and the bathrooms. Genesis950.com is the website. Genesis950.com, you can order a gallon direct right there. They'll throw in a free spray bottle for you and though they'll give you a discount as well when you use the promo code Blaze. Promo code Blaze at Genesis950.com. All right, gentlemen, I want to begin um with Aaron's montage, uh talking about Iran. Okay. And um this was not a good weekend for this presidency. And some of you will now begin sending me your better than Hillary notes. Are we voting today? No. Aaron, is Hillary running? No. Okay. So those are totally irrelevant. And also, you know, you're 12. Uh, So we're not, you know, the election is 500 days away. I think it's like almost exactly 500 days. We're governing today. Governing is what we're doing. Well, I know a lot of people that you like more than us in our line of work are just in perpetual campaign mode. And that's why you like them more than us, because they're in perpetual campaign mode and don't ever hold the Republicans that you go to vote for in droves accountable for wh- whatever the Sam Hill they do after they get elected. Think that's fair? I'm not going to ask. I think it is, actually. In fact, I think it's not fair enough. But I would like to end the day with at least one fan. So I'll pull up short there. Okay, um, but we're not we're we're, we're we're adults now. We're not in campaign mode. We're governing today This was bad governing over the weekend on two major fronts and We'd all say it If somebody not wearing your team jersey were in charge right now, and it would just be and it would be just as true If that were the case as it is right now So I, I want to tackle immigration in a moment in fact, that may have to wait until we bring Bob Vanderplas in. We'll see, because I think Iran deserves a serious conversation. I don't. The bad governing was not making a decision to extract a disproportionate body count for the shooting down of a drone. That was that was not the bad governing. He's gotten heat for that, and and this is where our show is also often different in that we think it's it's not that we think. He's beyond criticism. We just think most of the criticism of him is wrong. It's the wrong criticism, right? Um, that was actually mature. That was that was wise. Here's, here's why it was wise. Iran is increasingly isolated from the Muslim world. It there there's two goals that the Iranian regime has right now. One is they, they need to be a victim of the West. They're isolated from much of the Muslim world. They've always been looked at from the Arab world, the Arab side of the Muslim world, with, a, with, with an aura of suspicion, because they're not Muslim. Or I'm sorry, they're not Arab, they're Farsi. So there's, there's always been a, you know, you're the cousin Eddie here uh, of, 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 of this relationship with Iran and the rest of the Muslim world. And I think that's also one of the reasons why it's been one of the m- most aggressive exporters of radicalism in order to almost kind of prove its bona, fide, bona fides, prove its its street cred. And and I think this, has, this predates any of these debates that we're having post 9-11. Because I want to touch on that here in a moment as well. Because I've been exceedingly complimentary of the contrarian arguments that Tucker Carlson is picking. And now I've got to be consistent. I think he's dead wrong about what he's saying about Iran. Because again, he's cre- I think he's creating a proxy fight. The situation with Iran predates all of our angst about our, whatever our post 9-11 policy is. We, we have had issues with Iran. It has been the primary exporter of terrorism decades before 9-11 was a significant date to the american people so turning this turning iran as a proxy fight just as many of our domestic fights are really proxies for orange man bad and cheeto jesus saves turning iran into a proxy fight for we're just sick and damn tired of being in afghanistan for you all totally different argument first of all afghanistan is not a middle eastern country number one all right so uh and iran's not an arab country you know, so I mean, they're just not the same situations. They're just not. Iran has had death to Israel in its constitution since we were helping the Taliban defeat the Soviets in the eighties. Guys, this is that's this is not a proxy conversation for um, all of the other difficulties we're having with what in the same hill are we trying to do in the Muslim world post nine eleven? So I want to table that though for a second. The president, in my view, was correct to call off that strike. And I'll let you guys, when I'm done, I'll let you guys chime in on this. Okay? And the reason being is because that's exactly what Iran wants. This is a rope-a-dope. They, they, they need. They want the. They want the pictures that Hezbollah uses against the Israelis when the Israelis retaliate for his for or, or, for for their missiles. And they want, they want burning buildings and dead bodies. They're looking for that. They need the propaganda. A lot, of the, a lot, of the, a lot more of the Muslim world than we think is, has kind of signed on begrudgingly to the vision that Trump signed, cast in Riyadh back in 2017. A lot of folks are realizing, you know what? Is, Israel's not going anywhere and we could all be making a lot more money and that has also increasingly isolated iran which is the true who are really the true believers when it comes to radicalism so they need to be made a victim they're, they're trying to create an esprit de corps for them within the muslim world they've got a brand to rebuild and they would love they would have loved nothing more they don't care about their people tuckers wrong they're not a great country I went to church, at our previous church, I went to church for eight years with a woman who escaped the, the Ayatollahs in Iran. She could tell you stories. They're not a great country. There's some people there that would like them to be, and for whatever reasons, when they take to the streets, we don't assist them. I don't understand that. But the Ayatollahs are terrible people and some of the worst on the planet. So they're not interested in more wampum, In the way that some of these other Muslim countries are. They're fine with enriching themselves. While enriching their dominionist goals. At the expense of their people. So they want that. They're they're trying to provoke the propaganda film. They want a triumph of the will to show the Muslim world. See? See? Trump's just like all the rest of these American colonialists. So I think that was smart not to give them that. The messaging, though, on the Straits of Hormuz, the way that this was presented, where we're going to do, I'm going to invite Democrats and all these people to the White House for a briefing, and then I'm not going to do anything with, with, with the most, you know, Bombastic Bobby the Brain Heenan, Macho Man Sap. Oh, yeah. Language possible. That's, that's, this isn't an episode of The Apprentice. These fiends have been bombing and killing innocents since, since long before Donald Trump wrote his first donor check to the hair weave, Al Sharpton. All right. And the rest of, the world is now watching as we slurp all over the fiend of North Korea. And now we're doing it with Iran. By the way, who has pretty cozy relations with one another? North Korea and Iran. This is where we cannot be dogmatic. I am firmly in the camp of get the hell out of Afghanistan five years ago. I'm firmly in that camp. Not my problem. If the Taliban comes back five minutes after we left, then we stayed five years too damn long. Some civilizations just aren't worth saving. Even the king of the universe who died for the sins of mankind looks at his disciples eventually and says, you know what? After a while, just kick the dust off your sandals and move on. I'm not, I'm not moved by, well, if we don't fight them they, there, they come over here, San Bernardino, Orlando, Orlando, Last Halloween, New York City, where a guy's stabbing people on Halloween, on the way to a Halloween party on a subway. It, Cleveland. How about Pittsburgh last week? A Syrian refugee trying to bomb a church for ISIS. Too late. So that's, that's, the, that's the least convincing argument for endless mall copism there, that remains. 2008 called, wants its arguments back. Thanks. So I, I am as frustrated with all of that as anybody else is. But we can't approach these situations dogmatically. Because Iran's goal, this isn't these aren't this isn't Hussein in Iraq. Um, this isn't the Assads in Syria. These aren't largely um lascivious, decadent, fake Muslims who use the Quran when it's convenient for them in between the gassing of their people. And they're really just run-of-the-mill dictators who know Quranic verses. That's not what this is. These are the true believers, Stan Lee. And so I understand that we are frustrated, but that doesn't mean we just ignore 30 years of American history prior to 9-11 of who these people are. Because if you're going to get out of the Iran deal, which I think was the right move, but if you were good, that was a garbage deal. But the reason that the Obama people did it was 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 to essentially try to kick the can down the road and buy off enough time with the Iranians so that they wouldn't have to face the specter of a nuclear Iran. Well, if you're going to cancel the Iran deal, but then you're not going to follow up with, with a strong stance against Iran, you're actually choosing the worst of both worlds. Because now you're not buying them off to buy some time. You've incentivized them just kind of going for broke. And now you've double incentivized them to make them think, you know what? This guy is afraid of a conflict. Which brings us to the second goal I believe the Iranian regime has. The defeat of Donald Trump in 2020. If they cannot create a narrative that, that paints them as sympathetic victims of the colonial Christian West, then they would like a trophy. They would like to be the reason, they'd like to make the claim, they're the reason Trump lost. They stepped to the tough-talking American, and he backed down. And his people saw him as weak and voted him out of office. You need to acknowledge your opponents for who they are, not who you wish them to be. The Khomeini's are not looking for the extra billions they've lost with pulling out of the Iran deal so that um, their personal wealth goes up an extra tick or two. They're looking to wage war. They're looking to spread dominion. These people came to power stepping to the United States. That was their first move on a global stage. So we cannot, we we can't pretend that thousands-year-old Bedouin civilizations that have no concept of freedom anywhere in their culture, if we suddenly hand them a democracy, will just decide they've got this yearning for self-government and freedom that for the previous 4,000 years of their civilization that existed before ours, they just never knew they had, right? We we have mocked that progressive wish casting tons on this show, have we not? Sure. And we were valid doing it every time because it's a miserable failure. But you know what we cannot do is we cannot wish cast now the other way either. We cannot assume the fiend with the bull haircut and Pyongyang well, will, just wants to be richer. He can take whatever the hell he wants from his people whenever he wants it. He wants for nothing. The only thing he wants is a knee to bow. That's what he wants. Capitalism isn't an, isn't an aspirational system. You don't, you're not saved through it. It's a system people go to. Because of who their moral character are. They want to make choices and decisions for themselves. But it doesn't free what evil lies in the human heart. And likewise, we cannot ignore who the Iranians were prior to September 11th, 2001. They're getting the responses they want. They want the double-mindedness. They want this to look weak. You're playing into their hands. This is not a conflict to engage by the seat of your pants, fly by night, tweet something out, pull it back. No. This is going to require some maturity, foresight. Right now, the president ought to be looking at all of his advisors. Who's the leaker? Who's giving me bad advice? Who thought Rex Tillerson was a good hire? Because the Iranian regime has two goals, I believe, gentlemen. One is to provoke some inordinate response from the American government that makes it look like a victim to the Muslim world. And then the other is the defeat of Donald Trump in 2020. Your thoughts?
3: My thoughts. I'm reminded as you're talking about this uh, off air last week, you were talking about to us about a poker game you played in where you said you, got, uh, you bluffed but you still won. Mm-hmm.
2: Listen, where I got bluffed, but I still won't. Right,
3: excuse me, yeah. that's what I meant. You got Listen, uh, set aside who the president is, who the party is, unlike the the domestic issues we talk about, which should be much cleaner to deal with if it weren't for the fraudulent human beings we're dealing with, here, no matter what, this is tough stuff. This, this is where the best play you may possibly have might be a, a 60-40 gamble on, a, on any number of things. So when Steve talks about a, a certain order of uh, grace is required with any president, and that would go for Obama and the decision he made to go in and get uh, 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 bin Laden, you know, you, you, you are talking w- with walking on uh, the razor's edge, which I, I bring up all of that not to excuse anybody, to but to strengthen Steve's point all the more you can't do this fly by night the cell you have got to make on all the people around you the american people what have you must be as crisp as as clean as if those those military people you're leading into ba- you're leading into battle yourself and your own life depends on it because no matter what you're doing here no matter what call you make it is a gamble The people that you're dealing with on the other side of the fence within this world, the degree to which they don't believe the things that we believe in, Steve laid that out very clearly, you cannot be childlike in your thinking on this or else you are always going to lose the gamble.
1: That's what our foreign policy, it seems like, has been for the last—I mean—few decades, really. I mean, we don't. When when you're mature or when you want to strategize, what what is the first thing that you have to? In this, in in a zero sum. Uh, arena like this, what is the first thing that you have to figure out? You have to figure out, like most dudes do, when they enter a room, what do you say, Steve? They want to know what the game is, how do they win, uh, and who's keeping score. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to do. That's not what's happening. It's just, uh, okay, whether it's the Obama administration, let's throw some money at this, hope it goes away before I'm out of office. Uh, you know, whether it's this, okay, we're going to kill 150 people cause they, you know, who, who came up with that plan in the first place? That's what I would want to know. Yes. This sounds like a really ordinate uh, response to shooting down a drone. We're going to kill 150 we, innocent to, people over a drone. Yes. What, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on is that we're not thinking about who our enemy is. Which is just what uh, disagree or agree with what Steve laid out about what their goals are. He just presented who our enemies are. That's not happening in our foreign policy.
2: All right, now we're going to tackle the immigration side of this issue uh, from over the weekend with Bob Vanderplatz. When we come back, stay tuned. Well, I know he doesn't have the ratings and the influence that he used to have for obvious and unfortunate reasons, but still, um, when when 60 Minutes has the former uh, FBI head of cyber crimes on the air a few weeks ago warning about something, we should still pay attention. And he was on there warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal our homes and do it all online because that's where a lot of our home titles and mortgages are kept nowadays, online in databases that can be hacked. And then they... Hack into the database, simply forge their name out of your home's title, use your home as collateral to borrow against the equity that you deserve, that you built up in your home, and then they stick you with the payments. And often you don't find out until the, the bills show up, the late notices, maybe the foreclosure notices. Don't let this happen to you. Your mortgage lender can't protect you from it. Not even your identity theft protection, which you should have, can protect you from this as well, but uh, for pennies a day. Home Title Lock will. Uh, They will mobilize to shut down any evidence uh, of the tampering with your home's title. Uh, You may already be a victim. If you'd like to find out for free, it's called a title scan and then the report that goes with it. Both of those are free, the title scan and report, when you go to HomeTitleLock.com today. Protect the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Our good friend Bob Vander Plaats is here with us from The
0: Family Leader. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really well so far. How how are we doing today? Uh, we're here. Uh, you know, we could be a little bit better, but we could be a hey, how'd lot worse. Hey, how did your College World Series go? I saw uh, you and your a, son. Yeah,
2: Noah and I went on Friday, had a blast. Uh, everything you've heard about that event and how cool the people are. And it's not at Rosenblatt anymore. It's at the new stadium they built there in downtown Omaha, which is absolutely gorgeous. By the way, if you're going over there ever, can I give you a hint? Tim? I want, I want Some, to hear the hint. All right. First of all, a guy who loves our show, who works in the front office of the Kansas City Royals, hooked Noah and I up with great seats on the third baseline. And um, so, so leverage you, connections, number you, one. Thank you to Ben. That's not my <laughs> advice. Okay. But here's the problem. Um, when the sun came out and it was like 90 over there when it's only been, it, it, I don't think it's been 90 here yet once. This week. This week maybe this week later. So when we, when we were, flew, when we drove back to Des Moines, it was 73. So that's a pretty big difference. All right. And just an hour away. So when the sun came out, literally it was like we were directly underneath it. And so we went out, we we went out in the concourse to get some shade for in between innings. And we noticed, you know what, they've got these really nice standing room only posts with, um, you know, with tabletops where you can sit your drink and your, and your hot dog and everything, you know. And they go all around the stadium at TD Ameritrade Stadium there in Omaha. And they're like right, I mean, you're maybe fifty yards, hundred yards, you know, from home plate. So these are great seats. Oh sure. If you're wearing comfortable shoes, you don't mind standing for a while. And so here's my tip, okay? If you don't have someone who that likes your show that works in the front office of the Kansas City Royals and can pull some strings with a AAA city to get you seats on the run right on the third baseline for free, here's what you should do. 12 bucks is a general admission ticket to sit out in the outfield. Just go pay 12 bucks for a general admission ticket and just get a nice standing spot right there at one of those standing room only slots. And they just let you sit there and stand there the whole time. don't like usher people out of there and everything like that. And I mean, and those are really, really good seats. So we, we had a great time. We saw maybe the greatest performance Michigan baseball has ever had.
0: So it couldn't have gone any better. So all the officials at the Omaha ballpark, you have Steve Dace to blame while you connect these yeah, people. Well, now they're <laughs> like,
2: Why the hell are we selling these general admission tickets? And like, there's nobody sitting behind the dugout now. And, 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 and you know what? And you know what? I probably just ruined it. Starting next year, new rule <laughs> at, Mar- at TD Ameritrade ballpark. You cannot just loiter at the uh, standing room only uh, table. Around the you have stadium, a five minute stand yes. and then you're moving. The guy, five, they, they, went, like, remember when you were getting <laughs> drinks when you were a kid? One, two, three, go, and you had to go to the back of the line. Yeah. They're running a clock. You can't stand there for more than five minutes. I love right. it. Let's let's get let's get to uh, another place where the security is lax. Talk about standing in line. Yeah, go well, ahead. you're not. Nobody. There are no lines, <laughs> and nobody's standing around. There should be around. lines. All yeah, right. they're just invading. Is what they're doing. And. You know, I have, you know, I've expressed this to you. I have an immense amount of respect for Robbie George. I think he's one of the best Christian thinkers of our era. But him kvetching on Twitter yesterday about the unsanitary conditions of these children that are coming over the border reeked to me of arguing what's the best brand of Band-Aid when the bullet is still in the body. All right, You you don't worry about sanitizing the wound. When the bullet is still in the body. Because if you sanitize the wound and close it with the bullet in the body, what's going to happen to the patient? Yeah,
0: they're going to die. They're going to die.
2: Yeah, they're going to die. All right, so you have to deal, you have to, you know, before you worry about, hey, that's not, that's not sanitary, we got to close that wound. Before you worry about that, you've got to get out of the body what is causing the wound. And the reality is we are inviting this, this invasion of people with our lax immigration policy, with the inconsistency of our immigration policies, and 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 then you throw on on top of it now, we're we're inviting human traffickers and the like some of the worst people on earth to take advantage, and that's far more problematic than the unsanitary condition, you know, con, um, conditions. conditions. At, thank you at the uh, temporary restraining facility previously known, apparently, as a concentration camp. All mm. right, the president now. How many threats have there been? We're, am I going to close the border? He de- We declared an emergency on February 12th, four and a
0: half months ago. We're doing mass deportation.
2: Yes, that's going to begin. How many times have we been told they're starting and they don't start? And now, while Nancy Pelosi called me and asked me for a two-week delay, do you think, Bob, her two-week request had anything to do with the fact what starts tomorrow night for the Democrats? <laughs> Twenty five of them go up on a stage
0: debates here we come. in front of
2: 70 million people in a global audience. Can you imagine how the cutting that they would do of themselves and one another? This is the party of ice is ice is not is, is, is the SS. Mm-hmm. OK, immigration enforcement is the SS. He's literally saving them politically from making clowns out of themselves on on the national stage on his number one, the issue that got him the presidency, which, by by the way, Gallup poll today. Do you know what issue is the number one concern now of the American people? Ahead of Yes, immigration ahead of the economy, budget, taxes, any of the left's you know issues de jour, climate change, etc. He looks exceedingly weak here, in my view. And and now you've got this report out there, and I don't know what's true because we don't take much stock in anonymous stuff about mm-hmm. or from this White House. But apparently, one of his, his his DHS officials is is being alleged out there to have leaked. This uh, to the to the media and what their plans and everything were. Why is he still on the job if that's true? okay. so we already discussed, you know, when you're dealing with regimes like Iran. Who have a history long before you became a a viable force in American politics. You know, these are people they don't they're not just looking for wampum. They sent their children to walk the minefields between them and Iraq in the 1980s. All right they're they're bad. These are bad evil people. Hell is awaiting their arrival when they Changing die mean deaf to America. yes, and death to Israel and everything else. And now we're sitting here with an issue that has been going on long before he got elected as well, the issue that got him elected. and and we are again communicating weakness here. am Am I being too tough? Let me start there. Am I being too tough in this analysis? No, no I
0: don't think you're being too tough. because number one, you look at the power of the bully pulpit. Uh, maybe Trump was able to prick at a little sore, but the power of the bully poor is border security is the number one issue today. Robbie George's tweet. I think there's several of us in this room who probably agree with what Robbie George is saying, but what it points to at a deeper level is there is not a process that honors immigrants to this country and honors the, the citizens of this country and illegal immigration or flooding the border and having no control, that doesn't honor anybody and invites the exact people that you don't want to have here. So what it all shouts to, and Trump is a businessman, and Trump, and Trump is a marketer, he understands this issue. We need a process for immigration and put the Democrats on their heels, especially when it comes to these debates that begin tomorrow night. What,
2: what, what does he gain? What am I missing? What does he gain by putting this border crisis off for another two weeks? Because here's here's the lesson we just learned on health care in the midterms. All right, everybody who voted on health care as one of their top two issues, almost everybody voted Democrat. Sure, and this was the issue that destroyed the Democratic Party from the from the moment after Obamacare was enacted. By the time Barack Obama left office, it cost them a thousand Democratic incumbents from the U.S. Congress to governor to state legislatures. They, their ranks were decimated. When Donald Trump took over, there were the fewest Democrats in elected office in America since before the Great Depression. So the, 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 the health care issue nearly cost Obama his presidency. It cost the Democrats a filibuster-proof Congress in 2010. It, it cost them one of the worst swings in the in Senate elections in American history in 2014— and then just a few years later, after, when you promise people and you keep holding show votes and you say, if, a, if, if you elect us, this will go away. And then when you are elected, you don't make it go away. The Democrats do the rope-a-dope and say, well, you made it worse. And they kind of did. They, took, they, took, they kept Obamacare while getting rid of the stuff that even made it somewhat solvent. And so the American people punished them in the 2018 midterms for this. Tell me why the same thing wouldn't happen with immigration sitting there and letting this go on and on and on and on. And then suddenly you're going to make people forget that you were president for the last four years when you could have done something about it. And then you're going to run on all the same. The Democrats want open borders language. I don't think that's going to
0: work. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, you take a look at the one of the high marks of his presidency is when he moves the embassy to Jerusalem. And why is that a high mark? Because all these presidential candidates and all these congressmen. Every all candidate that, since Bill Clinton promised this. saying, we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Trump did it. That's a high mark. All these Democrats, all these Republicans, we need to have border security. We need to have reasonable immigration policy. We need to have all this stuff. And we never do it. So now if they can come back, what you're saying, Steve, because of your inactions. Remember, he did have a Republican Congress. Yeah. He did have a Republican Senate, and we still didn't do it. But if you don't now move forward on some of these threats, on some of these things about how we're going to implement law and order for this country, how we're going to have a reasonable immigration process, what you're going to do is you're going to hand over this issue, the number one issue you just said. You'll hand over this issue to the Democrats. of Them saying, hey, we need to have a reasonable deal because look what happens. Look at Trump's policy of what what happens here. That's a policy of inaction. He needs to act and put order and process at the border.
2: This next election— is going to be decided by people who live in neighborhoods where you and I live. Sure. Okay. Uh, You know, suburbs like places where you and I live, exurbs like places where you live, Todd. And, and I really believe it's going to be this basic of a debate. If they go in there believing that this guy's a con man and a clown and yeah, things weren't great, but he's made them even worse because he's just not capable of being a leader. I don't care. The Democrats could nominate the dry bones of Che Guevara. They're going to win in 2020. On the other hand, if they go in there believing, yeah, you know, it, it, sometimes we, it, it's a broken road getting there, you know, but I, I, you know what? In the end, he usually ends up in the right place. I'll cut him some slack. He's not a traditional politician. The economy's good. He's tackled some issues, you know, that, uh, pr- that people have promised for years they were going to address. And, and I see the system, right? Those, those are the two mindsets of, of those t- voters in those neighborhoods where we live that are going to decide— who wins this election in 2020. And and which of those mindsets they go in there with. He is, in my view, and if I'm wrong, you tell me, I think he's feeding the narrative that they want. He's helping them with their narrative. They they want the narrative that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he's just a con man, carnival barker, all hat, no cattle, doesn't get things done, he's a liar, makes promises, all he does is tweet. Is this not the narrative of every program that has aired on MSNBC and CNN, every op-ed that's been written at the New York Times and the Washington Post and 90% of the media since the day he got inaugurated? Has this not been their preferred narrative? Then he's feeding it
0: right now. And what it is, is the other part of it, is that the administration is not on the same page. None of them are on the same page when it comes to Iran, when it comes to border security, when it comes to whatever the issue is. So you talk about this DHS leaker. You know, that's another narrative of your own administration is not on the same page and you keep feeding this. On, uh, Steph, or on Chuck Todd yesterday, he said his number one regret is in personnel, people that he's brought on. And then again, like he highlighted Jeff Sessions, but he meant others as well. So I think what it is, there's a lot of things he can point to that you mentioned. It's a broken road to get there, but ISIS is on the run. It's a broken road to get there, but the embassy's in Jerusalem. The economy is the stock the stock market is up. There's a lot of things that we can point to to say, those are good things. But if your number one issue they got you elected to be president and you're shown waffling and indecisive and not, that's an issue. I think he needs to follow through. And I think the people around him need to be encouraging him to follow through. If I were in,
2: in the West Wing, I would say, Mr. President, you gave your only Oval Office address of your entire presidency so far on this issue. And it was to declare an emergency at the border. You cannot, this is the issue, this is your, remember when I said if we sh, if they shut down that government and like days after, you know, we don't see shovel hit dirt for a wall, he's the read my lips president, right? Mm-hmm. This is the signature issue of his
0: candidacy. Well, the other part to that, Steve, about. You can't you, lose you, the high ground on your brand. This is what built you. But you can't declare an emergency at the border and then not do something about it. That, that, to me, is a huge issue. And we talked about it at the time.
2: See, I would like to make the argument that we need to do something about this on a moral basis. I'd like to make the argument that we should be doing something about this. on No, no, no nation on earth permits 164,000 people to come across its border illegally in one month without considering that an invasion. No no one no one has ever done that in the history of of the human species. No nation on earth would ever permit something like that. But I I don't believe those sorts of arguments necessarily tickle his fancy. That's why I'm largely just making these off a self-interest argument. If you want to get reelected 500 days from now, sir, Losing the high ground and looking inadequate on your signature issue is really not the way to go about it.
0: And who would have ever thought that you could give the Democrat Party the high ground on border security? You risk that. Yeah, yeah, you but, but, but by, whoever thunk that. that, I mean, I'm just saying, whoever thunk that they'd have the high ground on border security. I'm saying because ev- here's the people thing, would cheer order process and then be in with the American spirit that, you know what? Yeah, we defeated you, but we didn't take your land. Yeah, we defeated you, but we didn't take your own. Yes, we have border security. We still have humane conditions. Everybody would would cheer that on. If
2: you don't win, here's what history has shown. You see it now with, with the surge in popularity of single uh, payer uh, health care. You know, and 10 years ago, go find the clips on YouTube. Barack Obama was going out of his way to not let Obamacare be defined politically as a step towards single-payer healthcare, even though we all knew that it was. Because they knew politically that was a damaging brand. And so bad Republicans always lead to worse Democrats. If the president is unable to show the American people, see, we're going to enter it. If they don't solve this with, border enforcement and law enforcement and enforcing our existing laws if we don't if we if the president doesn't show that this issue can be solved that way the next phase of the argument will become just make the problem go away and and that's and where the american people become frustrated and that is where the left will come in and say you know we know how to make this problem go away a mass amnesty program that we've you know reasonable immigration reform, which will be the mass amnesty program that will turn Texas into the next California and will hand them electoral dominance for the rest of your cotton picking lives. That's 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 always the pattern with the an issue. It's always the pattern. Republicans run on. We're going to do something about Democratic policies that don't work. They then don't do anything about it whatsoever. And then the Democrats come back with, and that's why we've got to go full hammer and sickle, because our biggest mistake was when we went halfway last time. Have we not seen
0: this pattern before? Well, you, well yes, we've seen the pattern before. And to me, again, being a former high school principal, it's a little bit like the kid who's truant. You know, we can't, we can't do anything about truancy, so let's just monitor it better. And also you've got all kinds of kids who are truant. That's the issue we, we face here. What they want is a realistic, common sense, simplified approach to border security. Americans would cheer that on. I think this is in Trump's wheelhouse, but he has to deliver on it.
2: Why, why, are we, why do we have more people trying to secure the borders of Afghanistan in, in, a, in an American uniform than our own? Do you know the answer to that? I
0: have no idea. Why,
2: I mean, I, I, Do you know the answer to that, Tom? I mean, what, 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 what possible rationale would there be? For having more of a military presence protecting the borders of Afghanistan than the United States.
0: And and we don't give that to another country either. So to say Mexico's good, Mexico has shown that they're they're not gonna do anything about this thing. This is our issue, we deal with it.
2: Bob, good to see you, man. Good Appreciate to see it. you guys. You you can't you can't lose your signature issue as a politician. There's just there aren't any examples of anybody ever losing their signature issue, and then and then avoiding losing the next time they came up for a referendum with the American people. We'll come back. I want to give Todd and Aaron an opportunity to respond to what uh, Bob and I just discussed, and we'll continue our book study of Rush Limbaugh's "The Way Things Ought to Be" 25 years later. Next, right here, live and on demand on the Blaze. <laughs> And we're back with hour two, live and on demand on the Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 88890-3393 is the number. That's 888 nine hundred 3393 steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program let us know what you think about what we think by liking us and communicating with us on facebook as well following us on twitter at Steve Dace show and if you like our show and you listen to the podcast version uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice uh, we would be very grateful uh, if you would take some time out of your day today to do that Thousands of you have done this for us already. Thank you. The more of you that keep doing that, the more likely we are to find people like you and the more likely we are to continue to keep doing this uh, for a living as well. Uh, We've got our Rush Limbaugh book study as we look back a quarter century later on the book that sort of was the vanguard for the reboot of the conservative movement post-Reagan. The way things ought to be. We'll get to that here in a matter of moments. First though, I want to tell you about Relief factor. It's a product. I'm very excited to tell you about every time it comes up because i've had some really exciting results And you know, I used to appear on the blaze a guest. I hear other personalities talking about it and i'd be like eh, I don't know <laughs> Because i'm just a natural uh contrarian skeptical kind of a person Uh, and I gave it a shot. I tried the three-week dollar a day starter kit and I couldn't believe Uh, The results uh, that I saw and that's why I continue to use it now and what's cool about relief factor are these two points number one 100% drug-free Even though it's a formula that was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs So here's what that tells you they got tired of just treating symptoms with with drugs They wanted to unleash the body's god-given natural healing power particularly when it comes to fighting back against inflammation in the body because that's what's causing that chronic pain. And those are the four key natural ingredients that make up Relief Factor that help your body win that fight against inflammation. If you want to try it, it's a dollar a day for the starter pack for three weeks. What have you got to lose? Except maybe, hopefully, finally, the pain. Give it a shot. One click away. ReliefFactor.com. That's ReliefFactor.com. All right, gentlemen, I want to give you a chance to respond to the conversation Bob and I had about immigration so we, we, we kind of had two face plants of this presidency in my view over the weekend we talked about one where iran is concerned the other one i think is, is is even worse with what's going on right now with immigration uh did anything we talked about stick out to you do you think we were maybe too tough todd let me start with you
3: well at the end you close by saying no presidential candidate has ever lost uh, one re-election after losing on a signature issue i think he thinks he can. I, I think he, he was so amazed by what happened, by him getting elected in the first place, that he simply believes that the same marks still exist. Perhaps there's uh, more of them. Listen, right now there's that um, there's that video that's clearly edited, uh, uh, pictures from the Obama presidency. From 2015.
2: 2015. Yeah, they've edited out the, tam- the timestamp from 2015. So, yeah.
3: combined with that showing— And what,
2: what you're referring to is, is leftist activists have been sharing—they this, this, did this last year. Yeah. When we had the first my- problem with the border run, they were making, they were showing all these videos and photos of what went on when we had the children yes. running to the border during the Obama years. When they were, when they, everybody wanted to get in when they figured he was going to do his executive amnesty. So they're trying to, you know, get in under the cover of mm-hmm. darkness so they could be amnestied, right? They were using a bunch of video and photos from the Obama era border run and they did this uh, about a year ago and they were doing it over this weekend as well using video footage where they are editing out the timestamp. It's but, and if you put the timestamp back in, it's from 2015. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So the lies are so obvious and they are uh, multiple. That along with this emergency declaration, if you, it, it the amount of money it would cost to go in, that the, what they're talking about. That and T- Jake Tapper is using this uh, the diapers, the things like that. You know, they're trying to get the emotional high ground. They're virtue signaling, but it wouldn't take anything to fix this right now, if you really wanted to fix this and make sure you have the high ground, if you're comfortable in what you're doing. But Donald Trump is not comfortable in what he's doing on this. He actually wants, it's a bad strategy, but he thinks he can, he wants the debates to happen so they can be that's where he's comfortable that's where his foils are that will provide him cover he doesn't know what's going to say but he's confident he will be able to say something that will distract from these things i have no idea what his intentions are right now in this moment regarding this i think the safe bet though is that he he honestly thinks he can he cannot really win obviously on this issue but he can c- control the optics enough that it won't matter
1: Uh, double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Uh, sometimes that instability, uh, can work to our advantage. Sometimes it works to the other side's advantage. But all of the time, it's incredibly, incredibly maddening to watch, uh, watch this in action. Todd is absolutely right by saying he's got the bully pulpit. He is the chief executive of the United States. He has the power to do what needs to be done. If he actually stood uh, up to judges, stood up to whoever needs to, he needs to stand up to, to actually secure the border and to actually uh, fix some of these problems on the border as well. Uh, the the main thing I think politically and how this is viewed by America at large, I think people, I think people really, uh, really just have a difficult time watching weakness that's that's not, exactly right it's not it's that's not, exactly right it's not so much the problem itself it's just it's it's not that they want the problem to go the, go away it's just like don't don't embarrass yourself don't embarrass me you're representing that's me. that's exactly buddy. right that's the biggest thing that's going to hurt him and that's what this weekend was on both these fronts that's why i said i lead, led the montage with weakness that's that's what he whether or not it's fair or not that's the way it has been portrayed, and he has not exactly uh, mitigated that portrayal uh, very much at all. That That's what he's got to change, but he's so unstable. I, I mean, he really is. He is the double-minded man. He is not—that uh, instability is not allowing him to actually look yeah. strong. So. Can
2: I, exactly can, I, right? can, I, can I add to what you're saying? Yes. My experience working professionally in politics and covering it professionally, the number one thing that damages a politician— more than lying, more than personal scandal, more than anything. And there is no close second is the appearance of weakness. People hate it. Voters are like voters are like that girl you had in high school. when she told you she wanted a really sensitive guy, she lied to you. when she said, you know I, I you know, I just want a guy who you know lets me make all the decisions she lied. They all, in fact, every single one of them lied to you. That's not true. Okay. Um, they think you're weak. And that's why she, in high school, that's why she started fights and arguments with you over stupid things. She just wanted to see if there was like a heart beating there. She wanted to see if there was any testosterone happening there. So there's this notion that, you know, voters like flowery etiquette and all or eloquent speeches and all this other stuff when in reality... I mean, we, we, years ago, we had a guy go from first in the polls to out of the race because he got caught crying. Now, we're probably more feminized in this day and age, all right? But still, weakness kills. The, de- the Republicans helped get Barack Obama reelected because when they went up there and Obama refused to negotiate with them on anything, and when John Boehner would go up there and, go, and, and come out with him by himself, pull out his, empty his pockets. John Boehner was like Aaron when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. And Moses was like, yo, bro, I gave you one job, all right? I mean, I was just gone for a bit, and I gave you one job, man, and look what's going on. And Aaron's like you know, turning his pockets. I, I got nothing. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I just, might you know, mean, I just... Some gold appeared, they threw it in a fire, and then they started taking their clothes off and it just got out of control. I mean, I I got nothing. That was John Boehner going up to the White House to negotiate. You come out, you know, go one toke over the line, take another drag off a heater, and uh, yeah, I got nothing, you know. And so they make Barack Obama look strong while they looked weak. Mitt Romney, in the last presidential debate, I think the number is 13 times, he said, I agree with the president then why the hell are you running against them? What's the point of voting for you then? Man. You agree with them, then why are we changing? Doesn't make any sense. So voters hate weakness, particularly if you're going to be the guy that's going to run on, um, I'm the badass. I'm draining the swamp. I'm Mr. Bombastic. This kind of passive aggressive act is a stench and it's a killer to the brand. So if the goal is I just want to get the people who show up at my rallies to vote for me again, then you're on the right path. Because there's literally nothing you could do to alienate those people. If the goal is, you know, I'd really like to not turn the American people over to a socialist on my watch, this is not the way to go. Because if you're not going to show the American people that limited government solutions work, they're not going to vote for no solution. They're going to vote for the full government solution then. I guess guess the problem is government didn't do enough. You can't let this parade of children continue to come in to these inhumane conditions. You're playing right into all of their talking points. From the very beginning, this issue has been debated from the premise of what's best for illegals, not what's best for the American people who do the the living, dying, and taxpaying around here. If you continue to let the American people see over and over and over again these unsanitary conditions and you're not doing anything about them, then they will turn to people who will. There's not a way to lie out of this. To me, we're at the juncture of this issue that the abortion issue is for Democrats. Let me throw this analogy at you guys. See if you think this one has any merit to it. So we've talked before about what possible answer will Democrats have, whoever gets nominated, when Trump looks at turns to them and says, well, you guys wanted to, you know, you guys voted to execute live babies in Virginia, New York, Vermont. I mean, what what, what answer do they have to that? There, There is no answer other than to just try to say some lie to get out of the question as much as you can to get on an issue that you feel better at, at discussing, right? Sure. That they're so, they're so exposed on this. It's such a raw nerve they are on this issue now that there's no way to, 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 to get around it. They, they can't argue their way out of it. Okay, we'll just pick a Democratic nominee. Let's turn this around on the immigration issue if this continues. Mr. President, your party was in power for two full years. And you're up here blaming us for the immigration issue. What the hell did you guys do for two years about this? You couldn't get your own party to build your wall. And besides, I thought Mexico was going to pay for it anyway. Tell me what the answer to that is, because I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I mean, I know he'll try to lie, but it, and 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 people that get paid to you know uh, uh, turn uh, lipstick into a pig into lipstick on Christie Brinkley in 1985 will do it, but I don't that's not going to win back those suburban exurban voters that you just got raked over the coals losing in the last election. That's not going to work. So tell me how you argue around that. I, I don't know what the argument is.
3: Uh, we agree on this, but we agreed on that in 2016 after watching debates end and then Donald Trump like throw up his papers and Hillary had clearly had them and he won anyways. In his mind, he thinks he can win this and he gets them people talking And you to get Elizabeth Warren talking about gay reparations and things like that. And he just believes that he looks like the same man in the room.
2: So he, in your, in your, your theory is he doesn't believe the office of the presidency affords it any more accountability than candidate for the presidency does.
3: No, correct. In his mind. Okay. I mean, this is all, I, I agree. It's all dumb. I, I'm, I'm very frustrated. I'm like what I said with Iran, uh, where I think the decisions are legitimately very, very hard. You, you, your risk reward margins are so much narrow here. I, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is th- this is clear uh, from anything uh, resembling a tra- not even conservative, just a, tra- a traditionally uh a traditional sense of what it means to be a fundamentally american president republican or democrat in terms of uh borders american people things like that this isn't particularly challenging yet he can't and won't go there so we must ask ourselves why and what he's waiting for and it is because of exactly what you said he does not differentiate uh the the, uh actual uh functioning of the job title versus uh functioning uh, of a candidate and he is waiting for these days in the uh right here what wednesday and thursday is it or is it even tomorrow it's tomorrow it is tomorrow okay Uh, wednesday Wednesday and thursday Wednesday, wednesday and thursday okay for them to start opening their mouths about things like gay reparations and things like that and then all of a sudden things are reset once again
2: aaron what are your thoughts
1: Yeah, we have to remember and keep this in mind. And again, you you opened the show with this, I believe, or maybe it was after the montage that, you know, we're critical of President Trump after this weekend, uh, just for his performance this weekend. And this is along those same lines as well. We have to remember, if he really is a narcissist, then most everything, which I think we would agree, at least to some degree he is, um, yeah, I don't think that's I, even debatable. I, I don't think it's de- debatable. I'm, I'm trying to cover all of my uh, bases here, but it, it he does all of this for, hi- for him. I mean, the reason why he really touched a lightning rod uh, with this issue of immigration when he first announced back in 2015 that he was running for president isn't because he truly believes in it. It's just... Somebody was actually saying something that I agree with, and that's why people vote, latched on. It wasn't the courage of his conviction. It was the conviction of a lot of people who actually thought that maybe, hey, we'll throw our support behind somebody who actually seems like he gets this issue. And that's when he actually started, because it was getting him a lot of attention. That, that was the, that's the only reason. And so, again... We're going to fluctuate. This is going to be a pendulum any single, any given day. Okay, uh, shutting down the border, uh, deporting people. That's going to make me look good today. Uh, The next day could be a different circumstance and a different scenario or whatever. That's why this is so frustrating to watch. And that's why it appears as weakness, because Trump is really just going, he's just reacting to things in a way that he thinks or he believes or he's been told by his advisors, whoever is advising him, that will make him look good and make him look the best and make him look like the greatest ever. Again, that sounds really critical and that sounds really harsh. Uh, But again, I I will will repeat what I just said a few minutes ago. Sometimes that can work to our advantage. Sometimes it can. It's just getting him to follow through all the way seems to be incredibly difficult.
2: So here's another theory I have as to what— he his end game is here, and you tell me you guys think this has any merit okay he has he's actually been for amnesty in the past um, he was pro dreamer, which is another form of amnesty and and has never shied away from that I think he believes he can get a deal that this situation can become so overwhelming that he can get a deal to get his wall built in exchange for a mass amnesty. That's what I think in his mind he believes the end game is. And if he can build the wall and and have that done that he can convince his base that he literally just handed the Democrats almost a permanent electoral majority in this process, now I don't believe Democrats will go for that anyway. No, no, it, 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 he's John Boehner. He's negotiating against himself. He's just John Boehner with a better Twitter account. I mean, this this is oh, it's open borders or nothing. They're they're not they're not they're you know like you've always wanted Republicans to put up a bill that bans all abortions except for rape incest and just mm-hmm. watch Democrats vote against that too. Mm-hmm. Their party is in they're they're in they're in vision quest mode. They're they're on a they're on a small j jihad. They're not putting up a bill for effect, right? They're they're not they're not going to say, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we'll, we'll take this deal now and get our amnesty, and then we'll just you know screw them on the wall later. They're never voting for anything. There's nothing he could offer them, literally nothing that would that would agree with the wall because it's open borders or nothing, right? But I think in his mind he believes because he thinks he can negotiate with everybody. Yes. He thinks in the end everybody just wants a, their own Trump Tower. That, that that's really his worldview. His worldview really is, in the end, everybody. Is, everybody has no interest other than their self interests. And and east of Eden, I agree with him. It's just some people's self interest is to impose their version of Eden upon you. Okay, some not everybody's Eden is you know, um, uh, you know, uh, a Trump Tower, a reality show. I mean, if you're the Khomeini's in Iran, I mean, you believe you're getting all those virgins in the afterlife anyway after you've killed all the kufar. So you get the best of both worlds. You get to kill all the Kufar and then, and, then and then you get the virgins for all of eternity at your reward. All right. So I think he believes in the end they'll, they'll give him his wall if he gives him a mass amnesty. That's my theory is what he thinks yeah. the end game is here.
3: Well, it's something along those lines. And the problem with his version of the art of the deal, when it, it was, uh, uh, when it's formed being King Kong in Manhattan, the issue there is everybody has some degree of skin in the game. This, this is the reason why poker, you go to a poker table where there's a certain limit in voting, you're comfortable with that. It, 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 They're in Manhattan when he's... Ultimately, everybody had to d- 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 decide what is too much and get out. And he was really good at leveraging that. Everybody in D.C. is playing with House money, Steve. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different ballgame. Do you think they care about how much things cost on the other side, on any level, the Democrats? Heck, Republicans don't care about it either. The art of the deal, as Donald Trump has known
2: it, does not
3: exist in Washington, D.C. it does And
2: that's the problem. I mean, it's fascinating to me that he is willing and forcefully and eloquently— Able to articulate how far left the Democrats have gone. Yeah, and he is partially responsible for provoking them to be that honest about it. I mean, him as a figure has caused them to say, you know, we can just stop lying to people and just be honest. You know, we want to we want to do Reds the sequel, right? Right. And then it's it's fascinating to me that he that on one end he recognizes this, yes, and uses the language accordingly, yes, and uses all that like like if I was writing the speech, he says the stuff, yeah. He, he is saying stuff I've written speeches for politicians, you know, that they weren't willing to say. He says it. Like when they've taken my lines out, they, they are often the lines Trump puts back in. On one hand, he, he verbalizes this clearly. And then on the other hand, acts like he can still negotiate with these people. I, I, impossible. And I, and I don't understand that world because I've not lived in the, I've only lived in the worldview world. I've never, I've not lived in the, the I, I don't I don't know how much, you know, stuff millionaires and billionaires just kind of throw at each other that they don't really mean and it's a it's a it's a game, it's leverage, it's Xanadu, it's not real. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, right I don't, I don't I, I've lived in the worldview world. What I can tell you from the worldview world is there are some things that just cannot be negotiated. One civilization wins and the other dies. That's it's, it's a steel cage match. Two men enter. One man leaves. There is no steel. Sometimes there's no steel cage match where you guys just walk in. They're like, tell you what, man, I'll take 65% of the steel cage and you get 35, but I'll throw in some undercoat and then, you know, we'll insure it for you. I mean, there's no deal. The deal is we slit your throats or you slit them for us. And I, and I, and I find it fascinating that on one hand, he can clearly articulate who these people are in ways we've wanted Republicans to most of my career. And then at the other hand, treat them like they're just another entity he's negotiating with on the Upper East Side. I'm fascinated with that.
3: Well, he can call them the right names. But listen, he's always you've said it from the beginning. He's most comfortable with a foil. But that doesn't mean he needs to be constructive with it. You know, at least in terms of uh, once he gets into office, he, he's always been the equivalent of yo mama jokes. I mean, he doesn't go beyond that. He's just he, he he's not interested doesn't understand the issues well enough. A combination of both, but he's it, he's got his foil now, so he's capable. That's why the paradox is seemingly there because he's capable of doing that. But there's all kinds of blood sport fighters that I mean, we we watch cage matches, uh, the MMA fighting. Would they be good soldiers? I don't know. When something was when they knew they could really die, that's the difference.
2: The other thing, Aaron, is is months of inaction. February twelfth is when he uh, signed off on this emergency declaration. Months of inaction have pushed this thing to the brink that if this goes on much further and you do try to enforce and deport the crying mothers, the crying children, those videos are politically are neutron bombs uh, for, for, for a candidate for those things to happen on their watch. This becomes your Hurricane Katrina. And by putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, I think he risks that optic
1: as well. Oh, there's no doubt. And this is what we talked about back in in uh, in February and, and uh, the days surrounding the government shutdown, that if you do declare this an emergency, guess what you need to act like? There's an emergency. That That's kind of, I, I would hope that that was, you know, baked into the cake, but that's what you're just saying right here, right now, is absolutely what we were talking about back then, because if you allow this to go on, eventually there's actually going to be an even bigger emergency if that was an emergency it is now and that's what that's what he's up against the longer this goes on and we've had daniel horowitz on here before and just the, the numbers i in in a lot of respects or in, at least in some respects uh, with the exception of the first you know maybe half a year to a year of his presidency the problem has just gotten worse it really has From uh, for a guy who made this his, you know, his his the bedrock of his campaign back in 2015, this is not going to get better without some leadership, without some strength, without some fortitude. Because guess what? Those crying if you do deport, those crying pictures of uh, you know, the mothers and and the children, the neutron bombs that you talk about, that's just baked into the cake, and it's your fault. You you let this go on. To the point where actually when you had the opportunity to do your job, or when you should have done your job, or after the time when you should have done your job, you allowed this to go on for so long, it creates an even larger problem than, than what it could have been if you had just actually fixed this using your power. It's it's a mess. It is a cluster. Uh, and it's all of his own doing.
3: Hmm.
2: Real Estate I Trust is a company started by Glenn Beck and his friends and associates several years ago because they were frustrated with the real estate market, particularly running into agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the results as promised, like in our market right now. I've counted in the last couple of weeks, I've counted five new real estate companies in our market, in my neighborhood this year. Now, maybe they're all on the up and up. That's possible. You know, but How would you know? Now, that's why you want to go to a place like Real Estate Agents I Trust, where agents volunteer to be scrutinized. They have to be vetted before they're included in the referral system at Real Estate Agents I Trust, agents that have proven that they have a a track record of successfully navigating real estate markets, uh, that have proven... They know how to read data and algorithms, but how to look beyond those as well for the outliers and uh, which exist in any formula, in any algorithm. And then have proven that they return calls, basic human, you know, uh, know, courtesies, because this is such a personal and relational process. If you don't have a rapport with that person, it becomes so much more difficult. So if you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust, look no further than by clicking uh, and going to realestateagentsitrust.com that's realestateagentsitrust.com. One final question on this. Do you think because he has been a Democrat most of his life and guys like Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer has been his senator or senator and or congressman longer than Aaron has been alive. He's known Nancy Pelosi for how many years do you think, right? Do you think because he had been a Democrat for so long because he had been from a state largely controlled by democrats in the state of new york all of his life with the exception of you know one guy who in and of himself was basically a moderate democrat who won the governorship for a while do you think because he knows so many of these people personally yes and has donated to them i think you know where i'm going with this yes do you think that he still believes somewhere in there They're just typical politicians that will cut a deal. Yes. And he just, and it's just difficult for him to see people that aren't motivated by the same basic instincts yes. that he's motivated by
3: and, and that's a very that's not a Trumpian thing that's a very human I mean, and that's the most look human at us.
2: that's that's right that's exactly right we've always yeah. like
3: it's it's we have to remind ourselves daily because oh, we still get to go off and I get to go watch my daughter's soccer games and yep. you do it but I mean that the barbarians are on the wall in so many ways and you yep. really don't you prefer not to believe it because if it's true you know what you got to do so you play games with yourself so right. yeah that's you're absolutely right
2: right I mean, I I didn't, you know, I was all for bringing peace and freedom to democracy in the Middle East for many, many years until I realized, well, how come we aren't bringing peace and freedom in democracy to the Middle East? And once you start asking yourself those questions, the answers usually are not comfortable. No. And they're not good. You know, I go back to an interview I did early in my career when I first took over news full-time and the guy who was the number two man at CENTCOM next to Tommy Frank was on a book tour and I brought him on the show. Yeah. And I I asked him, I asked him, hey, you know, let's say we get five years down the road. This was back in 2006, guys. Summer of 2006, I'd literally just started. And I said, hey, let's get down the road, say five years from now, and Iraq cannot be subdued. And there's not a clamoring for the vision for peace and freedom and self-government in the Middle East that the, the president articulated in his second inaugural address. Iraq was just becoming the quagmire that was that it became at the end of the Bush presidency. I said, hey, what do we do if we find out they don't want sort of a Western way of life just with you know a Quran instead of a Bible? And there was a long pause, man. He goes, well, then that's the zero solution. And I asked him, well, what's that? He goes, a lot of people are gonna die. In other words, they just, they needed this to be true because nobody wanted to acknowledge what the alternative would be. We'll come back, continue our book study next. You ever wondered, how do we get to a place where um, people who use anti-Semitic jihadic language and married their brother- end up being one of only 435 members of the U.S. Congress. How, how is that? Great country, man. How, how did we get there? You ever wondered what, what as, as, as Vince Lombardi once said to Bart Starr, heading into the fourth quarter of the Ice Bowl, what the hell is going on out there? That's some great coaching right there, by the way. Okay. Um, this is why you want to take a look. At this cruise that uh, Glenn and several of the VIPs here at the Blaze are hosting next spring, the cruise through history. See, we have we have forsaken and forgotten our pillars, our foundations, and you know now we're just kind of out there, like are you know what's waffling in the wind. All right, um, now this is going to be fun. You have you know gourmet food, plenty of nightlife, time on the, you know with the water. You get all of that. But you're going to learn some stuff as well as you sail through east, the Eastern Mediterranean, visiting uh, Italy, Croatia, Jerusalem, Israel, Athens, Greece. Uh, explore Venice, the birthplace of commerce, tour Greece, the origin of the republic and democracy. Uh, walk through the Holy Land as Jesus, is, Jesus and the disciples did to see, really, where the, the the moral and and spiritual ideas that that formed Western civilization or American exceptionalism. To see where all of these things came from, you can bring your kids and grandkids as well. If you want to get more information on the various and details on the various packages that are available to be a part of this once in a lifetime trip next spring, just go to the website, comesailaway.com. Again, that's comesailaway.com. Well, let's continue our study of Rush Limbaugh's book, The Way Things Ought to Be. And, you know, this is, we're studying this book about 25 uh, some odd years later. Did you know, by the way, that today is the 30th anniversary, Todd, of the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson Batman making its debut in movie theaters? Well,
3: I saw some videos online. I didn't understand why, but there it is now. 30
2: years ago today, I was waiting in line at Studio 28 in Grand Rapids, Michigan to see this on opening night. 30 years ago, bro. Yeah, I was at uh, Westgate Mall
3: theaters there. I
2: still remember waiting
3: in line. Yeah, that felt like... An event.
2: My parents and my little brother went away for the weekend. It was the first time they ever left me home alone. I was 16. And my buddies were over. That's when, that was when the Pete Rose did he bet on baseball thing was like at its apex. And Bart Giamatti's, you know, the commissioner, we're watching this on ESPN all day because it was a major scandal. And then we, we, we jumped in the car and went to the Studio 28 and waited in line to go see Batman on opening night 30 years ago today. All right. A few years after that, this book came out. And, and kind of reset uh, the modern conservative movement post-Reagan. Rush Limbaugh's highly successful the way things ought to be. And we've been going back to the future through this book and looking at what things Rush was talking about that sort of set him up uh, as conservatism's beacon at that time and launched a lot of the themes and the way we do things in conservative media came from the success of this book and Rush's career at that moment. And then we're looking at them with the benefit of history as hindsight 2020 and how that plays into the things we're facing today. This week's chapter, uh, people think for yourselves or demonstrating absurdity by being absurd. And I will say this, the thing in Russia's career that I have the most on purpose emulated is this tactic. the The demonstrating absurdity by being absurd. And I've, and sometimes this tactic's been called a slippery slope argument. But I like the way Rush puts it because it makes it sound smarter, All right? The reason, well, he would call them liberals. I, I would argue in our day, there aren't really too many liberals left. There's just leftists. The reason why they hate, slip the reason why pagans hate slippery slope arguments is because they're like undefeated in human history. And I, I go back to debating the the early years of my career when Iowa was on the the front lines of the marriage debate and when we would bring activists on the other side on and I would say to them, you're not really arguing about marriage or marriage equality. There's no such thing. Any guy that's been married for more than 10 minutes can tell you there's no such thing as marriage equality. All right, breach. Okay, you're not arguing for that. That's a canard. You're really saying there's no gender. That's what you're really saying because you're really saying it's not natural for men to be attracted to women and it's not natural for women to be attracted to men. And it's not natural for them to have a desire to come together to perpetuate the species. So, what you're really arguing is that there isn't, that gender is not relevant. There isn't, gender doesn't exist. And they get really mad, man, if I went there. Oh, it's a slippery slope argument. We're not making those arguments. And here we sit. A few years later, what's the debate we're having every day in the culture? What bathroom do I use? What sports team am I on? What, does gender exist? Is it fluid? That's what we're arguing. And, and now if we would have a couple of years ago made those same absurd, illustrating absurdity by being absurd arguments. Okay, fine. All right. You guys, 10 minutes after Obergefell, you guys are going to be in public libraries with, uh, with lube and uh, sex toys and, uh, and, and, and trannies parading around children in public libraries for your pride month. What would they have said? You're a hater. You're a bigot. That's propaganda. What's in the news today? And
3: now it's here and you're a hater and you're a bigot. Y- you still, still are. Yeah. Yes.
2: So this, this tactic that rush would use even, and he, he says he talks about telling his audience, Hey, go enjoy your weekend. I'll be here. Uh, monitoring the news. When you come back on Monday, I'll tell you what to think about it. How leftists would get all upset when he was in his, he was parroting what they do in the media. Telling you what you're not just what's going on, but what you're supposed to think about it. This tactic of his, I have emulated and used in my career, certainly more than anything else he has done, and I, I continue to use until this day.
3: Well, it's it's clearly part of your book, uh, the Ten Commandments, reversing press, uh, pre- premises. Uh, premises, and yeah. everything. I told you before, on that I was uh, it was a little disconcerting for me too because the when when he learned the power of this though. You remember the example I talked about was actually using it against Christian conservatives and the whole playing the music backwards, the devil worship mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. which it's and this, it only reinforces my point about how Donald Trump is the first uh, Rush Limbaugh presidency. Because when it just came to, it, it's it, yeah, he, he learned the power of it and he used it uh, when uh, constructive uh, to be uh, expedient in making a political point, but ultimately. Remember, he told us a couple chapters ago. This is first about entertainment, and he learned the power of entertainment about basically making fun of the rube Christian conservatives. And I think underlying that, and that is that how he knew, and how a lot of politicians learned that they never, it, it could all be a show. Even back then, the seeds were planted. This is we can make the whole thing a show. The, the governing. There's enough marks out there that look at how concerned they get about something that is so obviously ridiculous. We can manipulate them, We can corner them. We can triangulate against them, use our side, and we never have to be substantive. That's a, it's it's chilling that first example to me. And then he leaves it there. And then he goes on and talks about the examples that we would have also used. we would have applauded. But I think within that chapter, this is a powerful tool that you get to choose whether you use for good or for evil. I'm blessed to be on this show, to be hired by you, to listen to you even before, and to be friends because you have chosen to always use it for good. Um, many people on the conservative side, not so much.
2: I think this is, again, similar to conversation we had last week, though, with the benefit of, of hindsight. Like, if, 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 if you went back to 1992... And said everything. If you had, if you could sit down directly with Russia one on one, and you went back to 1992 and just told him everything that you just said, he would have. He'd say, "Dude, um, relax. I was a rock DJ. I liked as a. I was a. I was a rare conservative rock DJ, and I wanted to show that many of people who agree with me were too uptight about this stuff." There aren't any hidden messages. Paul isn't dead. KISS doesn't mean night in Satan service. And ACDC doesn't mean against Christ, destroy Christ. Okay. Chill out. You're you're checking stereotype boxes. Right. That mm-hmm. that's probably what it would say, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But now we fast forward again, though, and we look at it through the lens of what's happening right now. And and I don't know, because you know, we're working at the same time. But but when I see people share content of his, and if you are a regular listener and we're wrong, correct me. Okay. But when I see people share content of his, it's almost never about anything cultural or the dreaded, quote unquote, social issues. It's almost always about what's going on with the liberal media uh, or uh, you know, Trump versus the Democratic Party. Now, that doesn't mean that's the sole focus of his show because I don't have a chance to listen, so I don't know. And it could just be that that's the stuff that, Gets clicks because that's the environment that we're in, but there there does certainly seem to be at least from what from what is getting shared or catching on, a lot less of an emphasis on the the sorts of moral and social values and issues that make people conservatives than if you would have tuned in to Rush, you know, back in the era when I listened constantly for about a decade. I mean, those were things were were fixtures, were fixtures on the show, right? So mm-hmm. you're kind of seeing it through that through the contemporary lens. Whereas back in 1992, oh. he would have he would have probably had a different view not knowing what yeah. the future would hold.
3: Well, I I I saw roll tide republicanism is what, what
2: what I saw. If you're looking at it through 2019, yeah. there's a certain yeah, you saw now, co- you saw I mean I literally right before we went on the air, some somebody at Red State I've never heard of has an article about uh cocaine Mitch. Okay? I, I, again, that kind of goes to what you're talking about, you know. Cocaine Mitch has decided to make Democrats vote on issues rather than get ready for debate prep. Well, maybe Cocaine Mitch could have built a damn wall over the border 24 months ago, so we wouldn't have 164,000 unaccompanied minors getting and several of them getting human trafficked by vile scum in, 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 in southeastern Texas. Right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's you're kind of seeing it through the lens of what this language would eventually be devolved into. Yeah, what these tactics would eventually be morphed into more so than what that probably meant in 1992. Yeah,
3: and they're probably back then they're saying, "Well, it's what? What was it? Reagan's 90-10, uh, 80-20. Uh, the person who's your 80 yeah. percent, is it 20 percent? Something enemy? like that." Right. And that, that sounds relatively reasonable, but if yeah. that, if that was a lie all along, and like you know, you're a mark, and we don't believe in any of the stuff. you we're going to tell you we believe in 100% and we actually believe in maybe 10%.
2: Like I can That's think, increasingly I, the truth. One of the shows that I got the most in trouble for doing in my whole career, I used this tactic. And there was a story that had gone viral of this women's basketball team that played a school for the blind. Yeah. And um, I mean, we, when I was in elementary school, the first year I played organized basketball, we scrimmaged a school uh, for the blind. You know, So this is not uncommon, okay? They kicked our butts, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were good. All <laughs> right, um, but um, they they played a, a school for the blind, or no, it was a not school for the blind, disabled. It was a school of disabled kids. So we, that's who we played when I was in elementary school as well. We played it, you know. They were so good, you could not yeah. even remember their disability. <laughs> they beat us until we were blind. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. So there was this women's basketball team that beat this disa- this this school of disabled kids, and they beat them like a hundred to three or something. And they're getting trashed and they're on Sports Center, getting nailed, you know, getting insulted. They're the worst people in America. And I came on the show that day and I started trashing them too. But then I did the pivot and I said, how did this team score three points? And why wasn't it 250 to nothing? Why did you stop scoring? Why'd you let them score at all? You're the higher evolved being. You're more fit. You're you, this is survival of the fittest. You have you have you n- natural selection has chosen you through a random process. So there's nothing special about it. You don't have to apologize yeah, for so it. So there's no have to apologize. No need for dignity. No need for courtesy. Max, when 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 the when the lion has already killed three antelope that day and he sees one wounded coming across the Serengeti, he doesn't say, you know, I'm full. Lion's just got a lion, man. Yeah, basic instinct takes hold and there will now be four dead antelope um, across the Serengeti today. So why did you show any mercy? Why didn't you take natural selection to its most logical conclusion and utterly humiliate these people to the point that they realize since they have a disability, this is not the place or the arena for them? That's true evolutionary thinking. People lost their minds. And, I mean, when I did local radio, you knew, you remember some of the sacred cows I would steer by name. And that was, that was the only show that ever got me called into the principal's office was that show. Because, you know, I, I, I didn't let people in on the fact that it was satire. Because I kind of feel like if I've got to tell you that, it's not good satire. It's not good satire. Right? And, um, that show got me in a lot of trouble because I took the absurdity of, of, of a bunch of, there's a video going around today of a dad literally threatening a baby for not eating and the baby won't eat. And so he grabs his Mickey mouse doll. He punches it 10 times in a very violent fashion. The baby's eyes get big and then he hands him. Yeah. He's terrified. He hands him, he hands him a spoon with the food and suddenly the baby's like, I'll take it. I'll eat it. And our own Allie Stuckey here at The Blaze pointed out how many people that are applauding this dad's tactic of literally threatening violence through a third party to an infant would would be offended if that same dad was, was on a video 9, 10, 11 years later to that same child is saying, either you understand that you're a boy, not a girl, or you're freaking grounded. All right. Those same people would be losing their minds. Right? That's a point of illustrating absurdity by being absurd. You can't tell me that, you know, we're just living here on a pale blue dot. We are all the result of random natural processes and occurrences. There is no God. We're accountable to nothing. And then be offended that this school, which, ha- which won, the, won the natural selection sweepstakes, pounds into, the, uh, pounds into oblivion a bunch of disabled kids who aren't among the, aren't the fittest. So they don't deserve to survive. Which way, which do you want? You cannot have it both ways. That's the point that I was trying to make, but a lot of people didn't get it at the time. What stood out to you about this
1: chapter? Aaron? Yeah, well, this is again, a tactic that the left hates. And I mean, you, you guys could probably know at least every single, you know, high English class and philosophy class, not so much the philosophy, but the English class, um, They were taught by people, and you go through, um, when you're supposed to be writing your paper, go through all of the argumentation or logical uh, fallacies. And one of them that they always talk about, all the teachers talk about, and you're always taught about, is the slippery slope argument. You can't make that argument in your paper because it's a logical fallacy. Really, though, as you said, at the end of the day it is, the, the only reason they don't like it is because it is undefeated. Mm-hmm. And really, at the end of the, the day also, I know this is not a metaphysical certitude, but you're really just uh, channeling Murphy's Law as well. And that's that's basically what you're doing with a you know, reductio ad absurdum, which is what this is called, mm-hmm. um, You know, appealing to the absurd. Um, and no, that's not a Harry Potter spell for all five of you who are uh, thinking that uh, reductio ad absurdum is something from Harry Potter. You're really just stating Hey, if we let this happen, then it can happen. And if it can't happen, and if something like this can't happen, then it will happen in the future. And that's a really, really simple. Uh, that's a really simple, logical and rational way to get from point A to point B with basically anything uh, that you're talking about. But people don't like it because it is so simple to pick, uh, to point out absurdity in um, in, in you know, pick your topic, pick pick your issue as well. So.
2: You want something else simple before we get out of here? If you've been losing the battle with your bulge, I right, give Riduzone a shot. Uh, there's a signal that uh, you're, that's supposed to go from your gut to your brain uh, to tell the brain, "Hey, we're full down here. We can stop eating. Time to kick that metabolism in a high gear and uh, and get active and get moving." Uh, it's called. It's got a big fancy name. Its abbreviation is OEA. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. Particularly as we get older, it sometimes has a tendency to diminish in capacity as well, and that's where Rigi comes in. It just—it's it, it, not a bunch of chemicals, stimulants, caffeine. It's none of those things. It's just OEA. It just wants to put that OEA back in your body to get that metabolism, that that communication between the gut and the brain working the way it's supposed to. If you want to try it, use my name, Steve. They'll give you a special discount when you go to their website, riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. We're going to stick around and tape a little overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. John 317.